You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right. We're back. It's the APC podcast. Rolling through the preseason. Approaching meaningful football. Alex Patakis. Ben Foley and Zach Rapport are here with you. You can follow us on Twitter at all of our names, Alex Patakis, Ben Foley, Zach Rapport, and get the show at the APC Pod on Twitter where you will find updates. And you can also follow us there to learn about the APC Pick'em League, which is picking up. Everything's getting into place for football season. You guys pumped? Do we have week one plans yet? Have we decided what's happening? I'm going to watch football. You're going to watch football week one. Wow. That's a I don't know why. That's a hell of a plan. Are we gonna do the thing, the place? I think we gotta do the place. What is week week one is what? September ninth? September ninth. Yeah. I I'm done to do the place. Yeah. Let's do a place. Let's do a place. Get the bratwurst at the place. Tom and Jerry's local New York establishment. Yeah. I think it's an official Packers bar. I think they have the little certificate. Yeah, I think they definitely are. Anyway, excited to talk about a preseason game where the Packers just put up a ton of points, a lot of defensive points, reasons for optimism, also maybe still some reasons. For concern, why don't we just summarize all of our uh, week two of the preseason thoughts by giving a notable nugget before we get to our guest, Justice Mosqueda, who <laughs> will my uh, note sounder. be joining us. The, the bicycle bell that you hear people angrily ring at you if they're yep. if you're standing in the bike lane. Who's going first? Sorry, I cut you off. Justice Mosqueda set to join us, right? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. You can go first, Ben. Oh, okay. Since you're chomping at the bit. I also feel like you probably watched this game the most really? of all of us. I don't know. I think I didn't. Did you watch the all 22? No, I, I just watched the condensed. Uh, yeah. I didn't even see the whole thing. I have two notable nuggets. That's fine. Ring That's the bell twice. Yeah. Give me, give it to me again. There we go. Once. <laughs> I guess my first notable nugget is that I just want to, I want to document my, my procession from the Kumaro doesn't make the 53 to the Kumaro may well make the 53. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, I think I am holding down the Jamon Moore to the practice squad contingent on this podcast, mostly because I don't care. I'm just not particularly invested in Jamon Moore, and I'm not quite sure why everybody else is. So I know that there's been kind of a little bit of, I guess, disagreement between you and Zach on that, because in order for Jamon Moore to make the practice squad, obviously he would have to go unclaimed through waivers by 31 other NFL teams. And I think, Zach, your point is that you don't think that someone who I guess was worthy in the Packers' mind, a team that does traditionally draft well, talk about that later as well, of being selected in the first four rounds is someone who makes it through to your practice squad. Am I misrepresenting your opinion? No, that's accurate. I mean, I'm not not 100% sure that he does or does not. I'm also not sure I care if he makes it through waivers, and that might be making me more blasé in my, like, so what if he gets claimed. I mean... I, I'm just going to be clear from from the get go. I thought on draft day that that Equinemius St. Brown is a better prospect than right. Jamon Moore, and if their if their draft capital was reversed, I'd be like, oh yeah, whatever. Jamon Moore seventh round pick, fine, makes it doesn't make it. And I think Zach and I were getting into this on the group chat was that 
I, as far as I'm concerned, the day the draft is done, stop caring about draft position. Right. Like, and I think the Packers sometimes, I mean, all, all franchises have this problem, right? Like they all want to see what they thought they saw on right. draft day and they want to give as many chances as they can for that to become apparent. But, you know, Carl Bradford's still Carl Bradford. And the longer you hold on to Carl Bradford, you know, hoping Carl Bradford's going to be something else, that's that's opportunities that you're taking away from somebody else. I mean, and I think the the more relevant immediate thing, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on anybody's nuggets here, but like, you know, Reggie Gilbert should have been playing last year. Right. And <laughs> Reggie Gilbert could have been using those reps instead of Kyler Fackrell, who they spent a third round draft pick on and a, shouldn't have spent that draft pick, but B, shouldn't give them opportunities just because they spent a third-round draft pick on them. Well, I was yeah. going to say, speaking of guys like forgetting draft position, I guess there's like uh, contradicting examples here as one, Kyler Fackrell still gets like playing time and still gets reps, and he's yep. really shown very little of like any of what they thought they might have gotten when they drafted him with like a pretty good physical profile. But also, this is the same organization that just traded a first-round pick who actually was productive for them. Like, I know that there was a oh, lot yeah. of other stuff at play with Demarius yeah, yeah. Randall, but like, I mean, sometimes it seems like parting ways with first round picks is like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Like, well, teams it, just like won't do it. Or you're the Browns and you do it for a conditional seventh rounder. Yeah. Whatever they did. But I mean, like, so, and then this was the other part of this group argument that we're now sharing with the world is that I am not me, convinced. I'm, I'm No, I'm not. No, you're not. I'm blessed. I, I just like, and I'm, I'm, I, I like stand totally ready to be corrected on this, but I do think that every team has. 10 wide receivers in camp at this point probably sure. learning their playbook every one of them has a fine physically testing um long shot that is impressing their beat writers probably impressing their wide receivers coach and probably like every basically every team has a jake kumaro is what i'm trying to say and i'm not sure that anybody would see enough in jamon moore this preseason to be like oh we're gonna cut our respective Jake Kumaro and pick up Jermon Moore and try to teach him the playbook on the practice, you know, cause they, cause any team that picks him up can't like just stash him on the practice squad either. Right. Right. No, he would have to be signed to their 53. That's yeah. how that. Yeah. So like I, I haven't seen something out of Jermon Moore that makes me convinced that, that some team is necessarily willing to do that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, do I actually think that the Packers put him in that situation? Probably not, but I, this is just my kind of explaining my thinking on this. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, so you had two note nugs. Yeah. The other note nug. Oh, just that the secondary looks pretty solid. Like, I, and I, I feel like I said this going into like two seasons ago or something. I was like, the secondary is the best part of the team. Famous and that was like words. a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, it was coming out of Demarius Randall and, and Quentin Rollins. <laughs> I was like, secondary is going to be great. Like what could possibly go wrong with Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins? And the answer is everything. And, <laughs> But I, I am heartened by Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander. And Tremont Williams looks pretty good. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> easy enough well, when, pick, it, when pick the ball's thrown uh, yeah. right to you, like being telegraphed like that. But I'm excited. I mean, it's really nice to see him back. Like just yeah. like that one play it just brought back, obviously, memories. Everyone kept bringing up the Atlanta play, which was similar, except. Matt Ryan was on the run, rolling out to that side, which makes it even more of a terrible decision by him. It was similar, um, except it mattered. Yeah. But... Also, yes, it wasn't week two of the preseason. It was, uh, you know, a divisional playoff game. But yeah. yeah, no, there were times, though, that like there was still like that wide open, like deep crosser, like running through the secondary. That was a little bit concerning. But I guess one thing off of that is if they're going to be like a tur- like if they're going to be a defense that is back to creating a bunch of takeaways. I can live with that. Yeah. Like we, for a long time, were like, oh, bend, don't break, whatever. And then like Charles Woodson kind of like broke the mold into that. You may like cross midfield. You may get in a field goal range, but none of that shit matters when 
you turn the ball over and I'm like a turnover magnet. So like if that's going to be the case and maybe they don't have a bunch of guys who can cover for one reason or another, one, because they're very young and two, because Trevon Williams is kind of old. If he's making a bunch of plays and Josh Jackson ends up being a guy who could create a bunch of turnovers, I don't really care that much. And part of that is I also trust their run defense because that's the strongest por- portion of the team right now. I mean, and, and on the on the backside of that, I think what I am starting to be more concerned with is safety play. Yeah. Like not just depth, but like the actual quality of play of the safeties is not impressing me. And I'm assuming number 21 has something to do with that too because it definitely seems like he's... What the, what's his deal? <laughs> what's going on there? What, like, I'm not going to speculate, but yeah, might not be good at football all of a sudden. But I, it seems weird to me. Very odd. Very odd. Um, and then you combine that with the whole like NFL inexplicable disappearing safety market, and you're just kind of like, what? Yeah, there was uh, there was some outcry, right, for the Packers to make a move at safety. Who's the dude who just got cut? There was George Iloka. Yeah, George Iloka from the Bengals. Eric Reed is still out there. Reed's still like, out there. Packers I, seem content though. I don't. I, yeah, I mean, they seem content to try to have Rollins play safety. <laughs> God. Well, and, and like, what's Josh Jones doing? And yeah. I don't, it's just a lot going yeah. on. Anyway. All right, Zach, you can get two if you want, or you can get one, or should I go? I, I only have I only have one. I just dust off my, my cape here and just and get my Robert Tanyan cape on. Oh, I'm all ready to boy. go. I'm caping for my boy, Robert Tanyan. Yeah. You really like him. Uh, you did not know who he was when I was <laughs> texting him. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, that's that giant of a man that caught that touchdown. Where's he from? <laughs> Youngstown State? Is he the... No, man. He's from... Ask uh, his agent, Zach, over here. Uh, Robert Tanyan from Indiana State. <laughs> Indiana State. Indiana State University. 6'5", uh, all I, of 200 and uh, probably 40-ish pounds. I just Googled him wrong. I, I Googled him as Yantan. <laughs> kind of looks like a... Uh, I mean, he looks like he looks like central casting, like tight end. He's like all neck. He's got like the like guile haircut. Yeah. He's also a junior. We should just put that out there. He's a Robert Tanyan Jr. That's true, although it's not listed in his official... Like, it's not on his jersey, right? No. But I was reading his draft profile because I thought that he he really shined in in the last preseason game. And he's not a guy who, to defend you, Alex, he's not a guy who I had heard of until like a couple days before this last game. But he's really come on strong. And in his draft profile, he's listed as a touchdown maker who shines on back shoulder targets in the red zone, which was the touchdown that he scored. And I saw that play and I kind of thought, you know, this is like he's they have the Packers have a guy like Jimmy Graham. Just like a few years ago, they had a guy like Jared Cook. What happened? Like Jared Cook, great weapon. You can do great things with him. Then he goes down, and then what? You don't have anyone who can do remotely what Jared Cook can do. Right. You need another guy who can do kind of what Jimmy Graham can do. It's not Lance Kendricks. It's not Mercedes Lewis. It's not Emmanuel Bird. It's not probably the other names that are on the team that I don't know. It might be this guy. He might be a mini Graham. Mini at 6'5". The yeah. dude's huge. Do you think he's a practice squad stash, or do you think he could make the 53? Because I, I would think that Lewis and know, Kendricks man. are going to be on the 53. You'd think Certainly Kendricks Lewis. would be on, but he's yeah. also reached his ceiling, and he's like he's reliable, but not great. And shitting, I don't know. And, shitting on your fellow Rufus King graduate I, over here. Hey, I, I like Kendricks. I'm just saying. But also in the past, they've kept like four or five tight ends before. I'm, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. my nugget. Uh, I off of that red zone wise, I just I, I mean we'd be remiss to, to to not just discuss and it's the most obvious thing. But those what is it seven plays or six plays of Aaron Rodgers that we got just 
physical arousal. Like literally, <laughs> like it reminds me why like we do this and why we took us to church. And like I've been very bored, I think, for most of this offseason after like that free agency wave. And now I'm just like fully back and just like blessed to be watching Aaron Rodgers. Cause we saw like the two things that I think we're banking on the most this season, we saw like right away. And that's just Devontae Adams being explosive and just like first up, I don't I don't know that there's a corner in the league that really can cover him off the line like one on one. And that was like literally one move, boom, you're toast. That was riveting. And then you're banking on Jimmy Graham to replace the Jordy Nelson red zone production. And that's going to be something to really, really watch throughout the course of the season because as much of Jimmy Graham is an ad in the red zone, like they're still missing a lot with Jordy Nelson, the sneaky speed of Jordy Nelson. <laughs> I don't know if you guys <laughs> saw uh, sneaky Raiders, speed. Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, the latest to uh, be quoted saying something about Jordy Nelson being a lot faster than he looks. Breaking news, Jordy Nelson, local white receiver. Faster than you think he is. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, anyway, so we'll, why don't we dip, dive a uh, dip? Dive deeper into the roster, talk more about the preseason with Justice Mosqueda, who's ready to join us. A guy who knows what he's talking about. At Jew Mosk on Twitter, and he joins us now. Find out the colors of you, I see them too, and boy, I like them, I like them, I like them. We way too fly to partake in all this hate, we out here vibing, we vibing, we vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. The number you That's the entrance music for Justice Mosqueda, who is our guest this week on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at Jumosk, J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can find his some of his most recent work on uh, Optimum Scouting. That's the Aaron Rodgers piece that we talked about at length last week that we would talk about with him this week. What's going on? Is the pod like us back to being weekly, or are we still a little bit uh, away from that with you? and uh, <laughs> Basically, like... So I, I went back to school to finish up a couple classes because I'm a couple credits short of my degree, right? So my dumbass took like a condensed graduate course in the summer, which is like the absolute worst idea you could ever do. So I just basically came out of what was equivalent of like five different finals while I was working at the same time. So Chuck and I settled down on setting the edge podcast for a bit. We basically took like a month off, but we're back now. Um, we just put up. We just recorded a two-hour pod yesterday. So nice. Go look for that if you need that. So we're still gonna be, uh, you know, with the picks, right? On Fridays, that was like a Saturday morning staple for me. Before I would, uh, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it's still gonna be there. I don't know if I can actually make picks or if I can make picks on games that I'm not writing about for this website, Quant Edge. But we'll we'll figure it out. Trust me. At least Chuck, Chuck will stick his neck out, if nothing else, and I'll be there to answer with him. There you go. All you right. can also you can drop like a plug for for what you're doing for Quant. Give it up. I'm I'm picking five games a week against the point spread. You know, it's something that I did for Bleacher Report for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it behind a paywall now. So Quant Edge obviously has a paywall in front of it. 
Um, you could use promo code J-U-M-O-S-Q. It's my Twitter handle. Get 20% off on that. And I'm writing about injuries and like how that should affect lines real early on Sunday mornings. Super early on Sunday mornings. <laughs> oh, great, so you're giving, you're giving like the last minute update on the, on the yeah, injury yeah. line? Got it. Yeah, just last minute update on that. It's perfect job for a West Coaster who's a night owl. I was gonna say you're you're over you're over there. So are you cracking open a laptop at like two o'clock in the morning or what? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be rough, but for the money, we'll do it. Yeah. There you go. All right, let's get into the Packers. I guess first, just what are you like? How do you feel about the team? I've I've talked to some one of our mutual friends. Uh, I know uh, Josh thinks they're gonna suck. He's always like shitting on them. A lot of us <laughs> have a lot of like optimism. I think about just watching Aaron Rodgers play again and the fact that their offense might not suck. What are your kind of just like general thoughts on like the state of the Packers coming off a year where, you know, they made a lot of changes. So I'll give you my preseason takes. Okay. Cause I feel like most of the posts, like most of the off season takes are pretty easy to guess where it's like Aaron Rodgers, that's going to help the team. Right. right? Things yeah. like that. But just stuff that's changed my mind this preseason, they've used Devonte Adams, not just as a X receiver, which is basically like, Three guys to one side, which is under McCarthy, is usually a tight end, right? So it's what most people call Trey, which is a tight end and two receivers to the same side as the tight end. And then opposite of that, um, you have one isolated receiver, and that usually has been Devontae Adams. And then they flirted with you know either Cobb or Nelson in the slot because both of them, by 2017, both of them were more ideal in the slot than they were outside receivers. Mm. Um, what I've seen so far this preseason – they're actually moving Adams around a little bit and they're working him into the slot. I know he had one big, um, I think it was probably like a 25 yard pass that was basically like a slant route that he took, you know, a pretty long way. So I thought that was pretty interesting because that's not really something that we've seen out of Adams. You know, you think about 2015 when they basically didn't have any wide receiver depth, so they had to play him outside. He wasn't really ready for it by then. Then by I, I would say by last year. He really developed into a guy who, if he isn't, you know, a quote-unquote number one receiver, he's that tier right behind him. But he would always play that X role, and now he's playing in the slot. So he can kind of play little matchups now, and that's not really something that the Packers had done in the past. So I think that's important. Behind him, there's a bunch of guys who can run and can't catch, pretty obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kumaro. Is that how you say his name? I, I still like Kumaro, I listen right? to games on Kumaro. Yeah. I listen to games on mute because I'm a psychopath, right? Because I'm doing, I'm watching like five games at the same time, so I can't really like listen and pay attention to anything. But I've seen his name across my timeline. Definitely have noticed him during games. Um, so that's interesting to me. Just offensively, the only other note I would say is, "Ooh, buddy, if an offensive lineman goes down, we're we're in big, big trouble." Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of always true, though, right? I mean, well, Spriggs, I Spriggs is is remarkably bad. Yeah, is is really the well, like if if Spriggs can't beat out Bell, like Bell has been bad. For- <laughs> for a half a decade yeah everyone has known every time bell was on the field he has been a marked man for a half decade yeah and if he can't beat up Bell, that's really concerning especially the fact considering that like it's not like kyle it's not like kyle murphy is like shutting people down really like yeah. he he kind of got his ass kicked by i think it was harold landry right yeah who I, you know i think by the end of this year harold landry is going to be just like why did he possibly last yeah a lot of teams round. going oops like, what the hell um, I, quickly, I wanted to go back to your thing on Devonte though. Do you see? Do you foresee? Like, if you're game planning against him, right? You're the defensive coordinator. Is your best cover corner following him everywhere? Because I I feel like there's probably not a lot of slot corners who could handle him off the line. And maybe like the whole thing about like no one else being able to separate will 
be enhanced by the fact that like, okay, maybe they'll have their third best cover guy like across from you on the perimeter. I don't know. Like, why didn't we fucking think of this you, earlier? You, you, like, def- <laughs> you definitely have to have a good matchup. I don't know if your number one cover guy is going to do that because there are some teams that are like, the NFL is so cover three heavy at this point, and there are a lot of cover three. There are a lot of cornerbacks who are good at cover three and can't necessarily transition on the inside. Like I would think, just looking at at this team, right? Like Josh Jackson is a guy who can really, really play well in zone coverage, but he's not a guy that I would have follow on the inside because if he has to cover you know, a slant or cover, you know, have, have to deal with mentally processing. Okay. Is this a slant? Is this a whip route that's breaking to the outside? Is this a whip route that's breaking to the inside? Like having to deal with all of that on his feet. He's not really the type of corner who would stop that. I know people use a guy like uh, Richard Sherman was a big example of that, you know, in Seattle where they just kept him outside because they knew for a fact that he was not going to be able to survive inside if he had, you know, a slot matchup. So I, I think you can't have a bad matchup against him. Like I said, I think if he's not, you know, quote unquote wide receiver one, he's right underneath that tier of guys who are wide receiver ones. But I don't know if you necessarily just move whoever your number one outside corner is inside outside, because that's not really how NFL cornerback skill sets are set up at this point. Yeah. All right. So defensively, schematically, like, are you encouraged by what you've seen that now that in the post Dom Capers era, what do you think of what Patton's been doing? Yeah, they play Vince Beagle like on the center, like within a yard of the center every third down. And I don't know how we're supposed to be reading anything about like how he's developed by playing that type of role. Um, but other than that, I mean, they're def- they're definitely playing a lot more like true three, four with like three guys with their hand in the dirt outside shade of guards in and stuff like that. Right. So I think that they're going to be heavier. Um, we haven't really seen the team with Mike Daniels yet. We haven't really seen the team with Nick Perry yet. So we'll probably we're probably not getting the full playbook at this point. Um, but it's definitely interesting. I have noticed that like they're using uh, Oren Burks, the linebacker out of Vanderbilt, kind of like a nickel linebacker way, and mm-hmm. that like he moves out over the slot or like splits the difference over the guys, which I think is more interesting than just playing him inside and trying to let him survive because he's a guy who if they don't get a hand on him like he's going to make some incredible plays in space but you can go back and watch the Alabama game and see when Alabama is up two scores and they're just like yep we're running the ball against Vanderbilt and they he he gets a body on him and he can't really get off so he's definitely a space player and they're using him like that so I, I think that's a little bit interesting and not really something that we had seen we had seen more like safeties playing linebackers than linebackers playing slot corner right mm-hmm. so I, I think that's definitely uh fundamental shift for the team but the cornerbacks in general just a lot better and i'm really excited about that too i said that before you came on <laughs> look at you feathering your cap over there i like to feel good i like to be right <laughs> what are you thinking about behind Devonte? like what are you looking at wide receiver wise because and the, the reason i bring that up too is because in in optimum scouting the article from last week you were kind of let me summarize your argument and feel free to do it better than i do but that aaron Rodgers' efficiency dropped off after I think 2014 was your benchmark outside the red zone, basically. And and that you kind of put that on the feet of the receiving core after 2014. Am I correct in that being the main takeaway from your article? Yeah, 100 percent. And and the fact that he's still so hyper efficient in the red zone. Oh, yeah. And in way and in ways where um, I also cut up all his red zone plays from like the past two years or his pa- passing touchdowns. And you could see like the skill set that led to success you know, pre-2015 um, outside of the red zone is still there. It's still the mobility. It's still mm-hmm. um, 
you know, just in, just being able to flick his wrist and get the ball anywhere off of any platform. It's things like that where it's like, okay, so this should translate everywhere. Like yeah. this skill set should travel, um, but it doesn't, and it doesn't travel because they can't really hit deep plays, and, and a lot of that is just flat out wide receiver speed being able to win one on one, basically. So then, where does that leave you in looking at at the the, the wide receivers behind Devonte right now? I mean, I, I I think I agree with Alex that Devonte actually probably ends up opening this offense more, and Jimmy Graham does too. And also, I think seeing last year that the Packers have kind of entered the 21st century with using running backs, motioning them out, stuff like that. Don't get too excited. I still all I... right. So they they're in the 20th and a half century yeah. with the running game. But so I like I think I think there are these kind of like upstream effects of like somebody like Devante, you know, getting more attention and things like that. But but where are you where are you looking at the team wide receiver wise uh, in the depth behind Devante? I mean, like because Geronimo Allison does not excite me. And I don't know if he excites you. <laughs> um, um, he, he doesn't. But I think he's going to end up being the wide receiver three um, just because you look at the history of the NFL. You look at fourth rounders and beyond. Um, I think it's like the past – I think the study that I did was the past decade, fourth-round picks, fifth-round picks, sixth-round picks, seventh-round picks, and five of them have eclipsed 500 receiving yards, which is you know much less than what Geronimo Allison is being expected to produce if he's the Packers wide receiver three. So you basically have like a 3% chance um, if you draft a receiver in the fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh round that immediately as a rookie they're going to produce 500 or more yards. And like the only real examples of this are guys like Stephon Diggs and, and like Marquise Colston, right? Like you, re- you, these guys don't really come around often. They come around basically once every two, three years. Um, so the Packers basically drafted flyers and developmental guys, which is fine. But I don't know if they're really going to produce this year. I would say though, um, if there is one, like obviously, I mean, you could look at this this box scores and figure this out it's probably going to be marquez uh Valdez scantling right like he's kind of the guy who's shown out a little bit um i will say though your point about running backs using them and you know joining the 21st century uh jamal williams i want to say the first i think it was the first drive of the packers um preseason he caught a touchdown pass um within the 10 yard line right mm-hmm. um he, that that is equal to all of the touchdown passes that Aaron Rodgers has thrown to a running back inside the 10 in the past two years oh. combined. So that's probably significant. Um, they really just did not use running backs um, outside of one one play against Atlanta where they threw basically like a little shovel screen to uh, Ty Montgomery like at the goal line. Mm-hmm. Um, they did not use running backs you know, in scoring range because they basically used a six-man protection and then just let Aaron Rodgers extend um, place, which, you know, that, that makes sense why you would rather have him extend plays than have a little dump off route by a running back. But at least they're showing change, if nothing else. I mean, they legitimately were not doing these things, you know, in scoring range prior to this year. Well, and outside, I mean, outside the red zone, too, I think you're going to see more motioning running backs in the slot, like Tevin Coleman style. And I mean, and because they, they have the guys do it. Aaron Jones is, I think, you know, it's actually nice to not have to worry about him for the first couple of weeks because. If if Aaron Jones weren't suspended, I would be very worried about the running back depth on the Packers right now. But with Aaron Jones coming back, I'm just like, ah, it's fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, I th- I think they're going to be fine. The other thing too is Jimmy Graham is just a tarantula. So like when Rodgers is scrambling out, like Jimmy Graham, just his catching radius is going to be crazy. I think we saw that with uh, his touchdown on uh, Edmonds, the uh, rookie safety, the first round pick against uh, Pittsburgh. Has that anyone was, used one. the word tarantula in a football context before? I don't before? think I've ever heard that one. I feel like I could hear that like a John Gruden accent. Like, this guy's a tarantula, let me tell you. 
Well, there we go. We're inventing stuff on this podcast. That's wild, man. Originators. <laughs> um, while we're on Jimmy Graham, so one of the things that we talked about way back uh, when we did like the free agency thing was it kind of being a wash when you lose Jordy Nelson and gain Jimmy Graham because Jimmy Graham, obviously, like you were saying, catch radius, he's a dream to have with a quarterback like Rodgers in the red zone. But like, watching your cutups of Rodgers in the red zone, 87 is on the other end of a lot of those throws. So do you feel... Like they'll be better in the red zone this year just by, you know, by having Graham or is there still like a ton of production to replace losing Jordy Nelson? So Graham is a really interesting guy because already Graham, in terms of what he brought to the table um, relative to his overall contribution, um, what he did in the red zone made up a disproportionate amount of his production. Mm -hmm. So like he very much was a red zone only tight end for Seattle, basically, like in terms of production. like He was physically on the field, but they weren't really getting the ball to him until they were in scoring range. So I thought pa- pairing him with Rodgers, when the issue in Green Bay was not converting in the red zone, he's something like 47 touchdowns and one interception inside the 10-yard line over the last three years, right? Um, the issue is getting to the 20, getting to the 15, getting to the 10. That's when the offense stalls. So – Jimmy Graham kind of helps them become more of who they are already in that they're like very red zone heavy, not very efficient outside of the red zone. But I will say it's very different, like what just anecdotally, right? Like when I see Aaron Rodgers scramble in the preseason stuff, it really does seem like Graham is going to kind of be a go to guy on those scramble plays. Mm. And like Russell Wilson does that, but Russell Wilson like turns his back to the defense. Defense a lot when he's yeah. scrambling and things, right? Like the, the the way they scramble isn't necessarily the same. Where like Russell Wilson is still like trying to buy time and like bailing and like giving up more yards so that he could throw deep down the middle. Whereas Rogers like bails out, tries to hit a sideline, and then will throw across his body. Like those two things are very different. Yeah. Um, and I think Jimmy Graham will help him on those scrambles where he's trying to hit the sideline. Yeah. When Aaron Rodgers turns his back to the field, it results in like Hail Mary touchdowns like that are just like, what the (laughs) hell is that? That's basically how that works. All right. So quickly here, another thing that we talked about last week. And Ben, I think you checked this. Are the Packers still the odds on favorites for Khalil Mack? They are. Um, Do you have any idea how like, I mean, obviously you're into this stuff with Vegas and everything uh, that you're doing now. How do people like assign odds to like offseason moves like this, like transactions? I always found that to be weird. Yeah, I think I think the the rationale for the Packers thing is just two first round picks and they need a pass rusher. They could also kick, you know, Clay Matthews in inside and like new GM big splashes. He's already kind of made a couple big splashes, right? Right. Um maybe the relationship I, between the two GMs. Yeah, and like Reggie McKenzie being there too, I think that plays a little bit of part of it too. Um yeah. Chicago was another team that was super high on all these lists and it's because they basically have no pass rushers now. Now that Leonard Floyd busted his hand, I think, you know, Aaron Lynch might be their number one pass rusher. And he was a guy who kind of got ran out in San Francisco. So um, but in terms of like what those lines are, um, I could promise you any any place that has a Cleo Mac bet, the most you can probably bet is probably like twenty five bucks. Um, a lot of it is like when you see props like that, um, sometimes they are free money specials. Right. There was you could find it on the same book where it was like plus basically you could get money like it was. It was plus 300 and plus 400 that either Khalil Mack will not be traded and then the other one was that Khalil Mack will be in Oakland on October whatever. So yeah. they were literally like, we will dispense our money to you if you can like figure out the flaws <laughs> and the numbers that we're putting up. Um, but the thing is, these are low bets, right? 
and a lot of it is to draw attention and get people signed up for the website. So you'll make that one bet, and they'll give you the money for that one bet. But now right. they're they're betting, hey, you're not smart enough to just cash out. Right. So that, that's, that's a was, lot of how those bets go on. Yeah, because I was going to say Ben Foley posited the possible theory last week that maybe the books were just like, hmm, Packers fans are thirsty. I can make a buck. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, though off of this, though, like as someone who's obviously uniquely qualified to speak about the value of pass rusher and probably also like someone who has studied the draft so much that you would understand the value of those draft picks, particularly because the Packers traditionally draft pretty well in terms of value. Like, so what would you give like for Khalil Mack right now? Because some people are like, oh, you know, I would give both first round and I'd give a first and this like and my put him testicle. on put him on this defense. Yeah. What would you be willing to give if you were Goody? I mean, obviously, like if you t- take the lowest amount that it takes to get him, but if you need to give up two first round picks to get Cleo Mack, you do it. So that's kind of how that thing ends up. Um, if you're talking about pass rushing potential, like basically one out of every three first round picks who are pass rushers, like quote unquote hit, right? And most of them don't become Cleo Mack. So if we're talking odds here, two first round picks for a sure thing in Cleo Mack, that's fine with me. A lot of people do not feel the same way though. And I was kind of surprised about that. A lot of people are like, no, you got to keep the first round picks. And I've, I've very, very much have been the mindset where we need to turn these two first round picks into something. If it isn't like quarterback of the future or something like that, like package these up for something. So if it ends up being Khalil Mack, I'll be happy. But at this point, I really don't know if they're going to make a trade because this has been happening for a while. But I mean, Khalil Mack is taking, I think, over a million dollars in hits for not showing up to work so far. So it does seem serious. And John Gruden is saying stuff like, I think it was in July, late July. He said something along the lines of, uh, well, our defense wasn't that good even when we had Cleo Mack. So <laughs> we just got to finish our pass rush in general. And I was like, whoa, this is like for real, for real. You guys like are not talking at all and yeah. just talking through the media. Because that also came out, I think, three weeks ago that like Gruden had just point blank period had not talked to Khalil's camp. He's like, you're either going to show up or you're not. And you're going to be fined if you don't. And you're not going to accure another year if you don't. So. He does not understand very, very the NFL right odd now. Situation. Yeah. Are you, are well, the, you... Thing, the thing with the thing with Gruden, right? I think absolutely a hundred percent. Like if Gruden was on a three-year contract, he does not do this. This is very much like I'm yeah. setting the tone for the next yeah. ten years. Yeah. So one uh, one one thing on Packers needing to do something with those two first-round picks. If if history is any evidence, the thing that they'll do with those two first-round picks is get like three-thirds and a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously, that's I, I trust. Gru- he basically turned a third round pick into Jair, Jair Alexander last year. So yeah, yeah, I, no, tr- I trust him. It was. I mean, I'm still impressed. And I and I, and if he lands Khalil Mack with or without two both first rounders, I mean, my 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 reluctance to part with the two first rounders is just that I don't think you necessarily need to. Just if you look, and and I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think if you're the Raiders, you ask for two first round picks. But I don't think anybody else is offering two first round picks. So. Yeah, no, no one else. No one else has them. So. No, exactly. Yeah. So I don't see why the Packers, you know, let themselves get bent over um, to do that. But I guess, I guess, a team could offer, you know, a future first, and I wouldn't put it past any of them to do that. But how happy we are! Like, if you're Aaron Rodgers and that does materialize, you got to be so happy. Like someone who's like, when you know, as a 34 year old, and you get basically like a defensive savior. We've been wanting. Like, I mean, that's I, like Reggie. No that's Reggie White. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, I mean, that changes like your franchise in a way that. Charles Woodson kind of did, but they also like it. It wasn't. It didn't make as much sense when they did it with Charles Woodson. Like he just happened to come in and like light the world on fire. But yeah, man, that would be. It's a statement of intent. Like Khalil Mack, then the Rodgers contract gets done, and then I feel good about him retiring a Packer. Like 
I would be all in. That's all I want, really. Because <laughs> when Aaron Rodgers is done, I feel like like for me to like rebound and build this interest again in the NFL, it's going to be tough. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. You were kind of a Deshaun Kaiser stand going into the last draft. And I was. And so what have you what have you seen or not seen out of Kaiser going into this season that do you think that he's the Packers like long term future at this point? I don't know, because if you look at the stats, so I'm a big believer in NEA, which if your listeners don't know, it's adjusted net yards per attempt. It is the most, uh, it is basically a passing efficiency metric that includes sacks. Um, It treats touchdowns as plus 20 yards and it treats interceptions as minus 45 yards. It is the passing stat that is most correlated with wins. Um, If you look at the preseason right now, the second most valuable quarterback in the preseason out of, I think, 90 plus guys is Deshaun Kaiser right now. So he, by all accounts, has had a great preseason. Um, with that being said, like his negatives last year were very clear. Um, where a guy like Aaron Rodgers has, you know, 47 touchdowns and one interception or whatever it is inside the 10, Deshaun Kaiser was by far in one year had lost more value than any quarterbacks have in those past three years combined. Um, basically, the Browns could get to the red zone. It's just that when they got to the red zone and space got compressed, Kaiser just kind of his brain just went somewhere else and he would throw an interception. And some of those were drop passes and stuff like that. But a lot of them were just playing his fault in an area where you can't be making bad decisions. So he was a guy who outside of like the 15 yard line was actually like an average quarterback in the NFL, which is pretty good for a guy who was 21 years old, had been a full-time starter for one single year, almost decided to quit sport entirely to play baseball and because of his, the situation with his girlfriend. Um, but it was in the red zone where he really needed to fine-tune stuff. So that's the area where specifically I want to see him improve. But because he's not getting all those reps, I mean, I think he has two touchdowns or something like that. So mm-hmm. like he has done it a little bit. He has gone into the red zone a little bit. But we're not really going to see if he's improved there until – bullets are flying and he's like in there as a replacement for Rodgers for like an injury or something like that. Like we're really not going to get a look at him until probably preseason game four. Mm, Yeah. I remember a time when the Packers like had that reputation of like, Oh, well once this guy gets here, like then he'll develop as a quarterback. I mean, now it's like no one trusts McCarthy to the point where it's like, do they still have that? I I actually think Kaiser is actually a good reclamation project. Like I, you know, he's, 
and I'm like going, I'm almost going against what I said earlier, and that I do think that draft capital matters for Kaiser a bit. Um, but like Kaiser was a legit top QB prospect, even if he fell out of the first round. And I think that is still true. That if you disregard what he did in a horrible year for a horrible franchise, which I think is a reasonable thing to do because the Browns are such a clusterfuck, that those tools are still there, and Mike McCarthy may well be able to mold that into what he needs him to be. And, and Mike McCarthy also likes to complain about the the CBA and the limitations it puts on his ability yeah, to coach true. players. And and for the no, most I, part, I, I brush I, that absolutely. off, but the QB camp thing is real, I think. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, you could look at... Um, I went back and I was looking uh, at quarterbacks who basically, like, their prime started from, like, 2003 to, like, 2006, right? So you get guys like Rodgers, Breeze, Rivers, Roethlisberger, all those guys. Um and since then, we've really only had two guys who we could say that, you know, if they continue what they're doing right now are on a Hall of Fame stretch. And that's Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson, right? Not Matt so basically, the, No, sorry. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so in the last basically decade, right, we've created two potential Hall of Fame quarterbacks after a stretch, you know, right before CB, the CBA changed the stuff where we were pumping these guys out like it was nothing, right? We've made the rule changes. We still had... This, the CBA where you could, you know, have more than 14 padded practices or whatever it was. Basically, we made the rules easier for quarterbacks, and then we made them have basically unlimited practice time. And then we took away the practice time, and then we're back to where we were basically, you know, in the 90s and the 80s and in the late 70s um, in terms of, like, how frequently we're churning out these quarterbacks. Like, we created the, the function of – the rules changing before the CBA change created what was basically the manifestation of the golden age of quarterbacking, right? And we have since stripped that away with practice time. That 100%, I believe that. That is an interesting thesis that I would yeah. want to talk to you more about. Well, a lot of it too was just like, it, a lot of it was created by these same quarterbacks. So it was created by Drew Brees selling out the players and being oh, like, yeah. yeah, we just like, vet, vets want money. We don't care about these rookie contracts. Do whatever you want with them. And what we'll do is we'll take away practice time and we'll just get paid as veterans so we can now last forever. Like the quarterbacks very much politically had, had leveraged the system to create a situation where they could last forever between limiting the hits on them and the way the CBA was structured. Like it's not normal for quarterbacks to be playing as long as Tom Brady or Drew Brees are. Um, but it, it was created by them in some ways. Yeah. That sounds like it could be an episode in itself, uh, maybe for a later date. Well, we hope to catch up with you again down the road, definitely uh, throughout the course of this season. Justice Mosqueda can be followed on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. Gambling takes uh, weekly at the Quant Edge, which is a, a new venture for him. And also the Setting the Edge podcast with Charles McDonald is a must, uh, which you can find on iTunes or wherever else you, you get your podcasts. Um, Justice, thanks for the time, man. Always appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Very good stuff from Justice Mosqueda, uh, who I think we could call a friend of show. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to uh, seeing some of his new work this year. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. And if you want to engage and be a part of our Pick'em League, yeah. uh, I know that's picking up. Zach, you've been doing some good work on that. Where can people join to win uh, whatever it is they're going to win? <laughs> Prize to be named later. Get at us on Twitter at the APC pod and uh, we will exchange some DMs. We'll, we'll slide into the DMs, as they say, and get your email address and we'll get you 
all set up. And once again, for those that are already communicating with us and giving your email, give us a few more days to, to uh, reach out and get you all set up on the Pick'em. Definitely. Um, all right. At Ben Foldy, where you got Ben, at Hello. Alex Patakis, and at Zach Rapport. At the APC pod, as Zach mentioned, is the, uh, is the important thing to follow the show. Subscribe to it on iTunes or whatever podcast app you you listen to and leave reviews because we always appreciate those if you'd like to email us the apc podcast at gmail.com it's uh it's nice and simple for you uh on to a west coast preseason game anybody predictions no <laughs> predictions preseason predictions are pointless but Khalil Mack will change locker rooms he'll report to Raiders Dude, camp I would and love then that. switch my, to the visitors locker room my prediction is I'll probably watch it on Saturday because it starts at 10 30 p.m eastern <laughs> on a Friday uh, I might actually that ain't happening I don't know I'm lazy uh, I like to watch 10 30 nice. for a preseason game <laughs> I don't have uh, a life like I'm okay with it Wasting I mean, I don't night. have a life either, and even I was like, yeah, I balked. I was like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Even I have no life having. I spent uh, money on Game Pass, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> Friday night. That's fair. Give me a break. I feel you. Come on, you'd stay up late for Tanyan, yeah, your boy. Yeah, my boy. Um, quickly though, one one last take before we go. Um, it is bullshit that you can't stream all of the games for free, like the Jaguars are doing, all the preseason games. Online, it's just bullshit. I agree. I don't know who takes the mantle against that. Like, I don't know what the the opposing side of that argument would yeah. be. So I guess it's not really a hot take, but I'm on that hill. It's just it, irrit- it irritates me more and more each year. It's bullshit. It's true. It is. Anyway, and with that, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week here on the APC podcast. On that note, <laughs> it's bullshit. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>